a migraine pill. <laughs> Hi, I'm Marios. And I'm Susie, and uh, welcome... Oh. Oh, I thought I was doing I it. I thought I was doing it. Would well, right. you want to do it? No, you can do no, it. No, I can... Oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Susie. And I'm Marios. And welcome to the Paralympics GB podcast. Nice, enthusiastic. I like it. The Paralympics GB podcast is going to be bringing you exclusive interviews with the country's top Paralympic sports stars as they build towards Tokyo 2020. This week, we've got a very special guest. Johnny Peacock is on the podcast talking about power sport powered by Toyota. So Parasport is an online hub um, which empowers disabled people to become more active. Basically, you go on there, you put in your postcode, and it will give you a list of all the kind of opportunities in your area. And this isn't for elite sport. This can be from from any for anyone for for children, for adults, for all abilities, for all impairments. Susie, it seems like a a great tool, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean. I think if I'd have had the opportunity to use a site like Parasport when I was younger and sort of trying to get into a sport of any kind, I would have found it really valuable. Um, I got into sport quite late and really did have to do my own research to to try and find the local clubs when I was at university where I could sort of start swimming with other people with disabilities just so that I could get a sort of benchmark of of where I was because previously I just spent my entire kind of swimming career racing against non-disabled people which meant that most of the time I wasn't winning so it was really hard to know where I where I was in relation to everyone else and how I could get onto that elite pathway. So for anyone who doesn't know Susie is a Paralympic uh, gold medalist from from Rio Uh, you won more medals in in Rio didn't you? Uh, Yeah two bronze and then and then three bronze in London 2012 as well. And so when you were starting sport like you've just kind of touched on were there a lot of opportunities or was it a case of just having to sift through a lot of things to find the thing that was right for you? I think probably when I was at university, it was around 2004 to that kind of rough time, early 2000s. And, you know, we hadn't even won the bid to host London yet. Um, and so really Paralympic Paralympic Games in itself, you know, it, the, the profile just wasn't there. So when I went to school, it was kind of the 90s and and very often PE teachers didn't really know what to do with me so uh, I would end up staying up in the school and everyone else would go and do the kind of traditional sports like you know hockey and tennis and things that I wasn't particularly good at but there wasn't really a lot of opportunity to look at other things that I could do um I did a little bit of swimming but you know it's always difficult because you need pool time so um it was only later that I kind of found that but certainly when I was young you know there wasn't really many routes as a kind of even if you wanted to just not be an elite athlete but just practice sport i think that's that's the the key thing i, I think obviously people will listen to yourself speaking and, and johnny peacock speaking and think this is something that is a pathway mm-hmm. to 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 the paralympics and it isn't that at all it no. is very much a case of i want to be more active exactly um, and so these are the opportunities available near me and, and maybe it is that you you go on and, and you do amazing things in sport but if if you can go on there and, and find a club and, and make friends and, mm. and get more active, then that in itself is, is, a, is a great thing. And it can be daunting to start something mm. new. Just going into a place where you're a beginner is, is, is quite scary. Yeah, and I think Johnny kind of touches on that when he talks about how, you know, d- be fearless, you know, don't really be scared to try something, be brave, go out there and put yourself out there. And that, I mean, to be honest, I think this parasport can be used by 
anybody kind of non-disabled or disabled really because you know any club could sign up to it and say you know we are inclusive we will accept anybody of any ability into our club I mean a lot of my career I trained with swimming clubs where it was just non-disabled kids or adults and I was the only person with a disability and that's quite scary to kind of go in as the only one that's sort of markedly or visibly different to everyone else but I never found that a problem and actually I found it really helpful to kind of motivate me to work a little bit harder train a little bit harder um so yeah I would say and now I swim with um now I've retired I swim with a, a disability swimming club and I really love that as well so I think it's just whatever you feel comfortable doing just give it a go amazing enough from us let's let's hear the interview yeah. with Johnny talking about power sport powered by Toyota so, Johnny Peacock, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. How's things? Uh, good. Yeah. Good, yeah. Uh, we're we're going to talk about all things para sport, uh, powered by Toyota, and your kind of journey into sport. But I figured a good place to start would be the last few years, which have been not the traditional kind of thing you would expect from an athlete. Obviously, <laughs> world champs in 2017, but then straight into Strictly. Yeah. And then beyond. How how has your life kind of changed? It must have been a bit of a whirlwind. <laughs> um, it was definitely interesting there was no time to think you know and I look back I think that's what probably made it easier uh, I think if I'd actually had time to really kind of think about what was about to happen yeah I uh, probably freaked out a bit more um, 2017 world champs was was a really big one for me you know that's one that I was looking for for, for years it almost well it did it actually probably meant mm, ah, it's really hard I don't know if I could, I could I probably couldn't pick between Rio and London for me you know that's there's a world championships I know that maybe the bits of world championships like a Paralympics but for me in that stadium there was a big five-year cycle there from 2012 to 2017 so I really wanted to do something there looking back I'm really annoyed that I didn't run a bit faster in the heat take the world record <laughs> but you know other than that it was good is yeah. that is that just because of because of the fact it was London and because of what you'd done five years earlier um for the world record uh, just, just in terms just of the world the champs place, and, and yeah. the occasion just the place, just that, yeah, exactly, that stadium, going back to where it all started for me, you know, that's, 2012 was, was crazy and surreal, and it was that stadium, and it was that crowd, and and it almost felt the same in 2017, you know, at least for us in the athletics, we got to kind of get that vibe back for just a couple of couple of days, and it was just really, really, really nice, and yeah, it, it meant a lot, it meant a lot to do that one. Slightly longer hair, though, that time. Slightly longer hair, yeah. <laughs> it's a good look, <laughs> I like it. it. To uh, Sally's disapproval. <laughs> she doesn't like the hair. <laughs> That's it. She tells me, I keep trying to tell her that I'm growing it again. You can see, you can't see on the podcast, but I've got really messy hair at the moment because I haven't had it cut in a while. He says that. It, <laughs> it looks <laughs> glorious. I'm quite jealous. Um, yeah. So you're involved with uh, Parasport, which is powered by Toyota, which yeah. just give everyone a kind of summary of what that is and, and why it's so important. So basically the Parasport website is going to be a one-stop shop kind of for people to go and look for a sport you know anyone that wants to get active and it's and we're really talking about everyone here it does not matter whether you want to turn up to a Paralympics that's not really what it's about it's just about getting involved in something and basically this website you just punch in your postcode and it will tell you everything close to you you know no more having to search for hours and hours and hours on on your search engines trying to find just any club that might just kind of fit what you're after there's actually going to be a specific place where we'll there will be every detail that you need even to do with the times of when they when they meet you know details i think there's apparently going to be a photo of like a coach on there as well you know 
it's going to be it's going to have everything and it's just going to have people finally have that option you know because i think that's something that's that especially in dis- disabled sport can be quite tricky sometimes you know it's sometimes if if you've got a more severe disability it's a lot harder for you to go and actually get involved in sport and and all you need is people like you and you know and what you actually find is sometimes there's a lot more people like you than you actually realize close by uh, with the same interests and you know but actually really good people as well um so yeah it's the people who really just want to get active but also some people who just want to make friends you know because i think there's going to be a huge social aspect of this you know for me personally you know my life changed when i met amputees who did sport and that were cool guys you know guys that i looked up to i remember this one guy called tony mills who was a really cool guy full of tattoos and every lady was just swooning <laughs> after him and he had his leg out and i just remember thinking geez you know it's there's no way that i could be that secure in my disability um but literally just kind of half an hour with these people changed my perceptions on on who i was so yeah i think uh, i recommend i recommend anyone at home uh if you really want to get involved in sport just type in parasport have a look and see what you think so how old were you when it all kind of got started for you when you were when when would you say your journey began um probably properly when i was 15 um 16 yeah i um went to my um prosthetist the person that makes my legs uh, and there was a sign on the wall that basically said do you like sport are you aged 14 to 25 you know if so speaks your prosthetist so i i did and from that she told me about a um a talent day run by british paralympic association in london um and i tried out a bunch of sports athletics being one of them um so yeah and then and then athletics kind of picked me up from that and yeah next thing i know we're getting coached at a local track and luckily i just kept running a bit faster and faster every competition and yeah here i am today Please tell me you did sport before that, because the <laughs> thought of, of you being 15 and then yeah. a few years later uh, sorry, I guess, yeah. running world records <laughs> is, uh, is, is incredible. So that's did that's you, you were a sporty child, though, right? Yeah, yeah I love sport. Um, I remember um, when I was 13, you know, in school, and you get to pick your choices of, obviously, the, the subjects. You finally get to choose what you want to do. And I tried to pick both PE and BTEC sport, BTEC sport being a double option. Obviously, So I was going to get three hits of sport a week, and I was absolutely buzzing. Uh, until my teacher came in and told me uh, that I can't pick both and I have to pick. Um, so I ended up picking BTEC Sport purely on the fact that it meant I actually literally got to do more physical activity. Um, so yeah, uh, any bit of sport I've loved. Yeah, Every lunchtime, break time, I just walk back into class sweating. I remember my maths class actually. There was a fan at the front of the... Um, at the front of class and I used to make sure that every time I'd come in after lunch I was sat at that place with the fan in my face because I'd just been sprinting around all lunchtime. Yeah, love sport. What love was sport. what was the sport of choice in school? Was it jumpers for goalposts, football? Or? Oh yeah, football. Football. Yeah, but there's a bit of American football at the end too. Yeah, someone started like bringing that into it. Um, obviously, tag, it, all the kind of kind of boring stuff. <laughs> then chasing the girls that you kind of fancied but didn't dare tell that you fancied. So, <laughs> yeah, all the basic school stuff. Did you ever feel kind of any barriers in place to sport while you were at school? Or was it very much just kind of open and, and you were involved in everything? Um, I think for me, because of my disability, I was really lucky, you know, and that I was relatively able-bodied. You know, there wasn't many things that I couldn't do. Um, 
fun. I think looking back, like maybe trampolining we did once, and that was like there's a couple moves that I struggled with, um, but yeah, we just tried to kind of try and find a way around that, and there was a lot that we still could do. So that's you know one of those things. I think you learn really quickly in in disability sport that there's a heck of a lot more that you can do than than what you actually can't. Um, it's just that people have a tendency to focus on the can't. Um, so yeah, uh, quite lucky in sport, I guess. I guess that's part of it is that, like you say, you can do a lot more than you can't. But when you, when you see a lot of sport, you see it done in a very specific way, which is in an able-bodied way, mm. that you don't necessarily see the adaptations. Is it is it is your your experience that you everything you tried there was always a way that you could eventually do it? It was just adapting it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the same even comes into to how I train today. You know, um, there's not really things that we do differently um, in my training. We try and have it as similar as possible. You know, my coach, the program that I work on, uh, the training program, is from a guy called Dan Pass, who's an American coach, who coached a guy called Donovan Bailey for an Olympic gold. Uh, I don't know if some people will know, obviously, back in the day. My program is pretty much the exact same as his. You know, it might be a slightly more refined version because it's 20 years later, um, but it's pretty much exactly the same. And there's nothing really on there that I don't do because of my legs. The only thing maybe is in the gym instead of instead of squatting, we do step ups, single leg step ups, because it's a bit more kind of hit the single leg a bit better because I would always cheat in a squat. But that's actually an option within the program itself anyway. So yeah. We just try and stick as close to, I guess, that normal, the, the baseline as possible. And yeah, you do adapt, but then you realise that there's very clever people in the world and they can adapt things really easily for you. Um, so yeah. And, w and when you went along to the, the sports day, the, t the talent day, uh, what kind of sports did you try and why was it athletics that kind of stuck? Because um, athletics is the best, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I tried uh, wheelchair tennis. Um, but after 10 minutes, I asked if I could stand up and play because I felt like I was being restricted. Um, I tried archery, which was good fun, pistol shooting. Um, and then, yeah, I did a 60-meter sprint um, on the track. I uh, did that three times because I wasn't happy with my first attempt, <laughs> which is still me today. Um, and I was going to try cycling, but there was a big queue for the, for the bike, so I couldn't be bothered to wait. <laughs> so I just I was a very patient child. Right. Uh, hence sprinting, which is the best option for it. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I tried a few things, really, really enjoyed it. And then when, when you started, was it a case of straight away you thought, this is, this is me and, and this is something that I want to do full time? Or did you just do it for fun at first and then it kind of grew into something different? Oh, for sure. It's for fun. Yeah, it was never, I never did it. You know, obviously there was the dream that maybe one day you can go to a Paralympics and that was it. Like I'd kind of like sat down and go, oh, maybe in 2020 I could potentially make the team. And I remember... Yeah, I had on my mirror like these times that I'd have to run to kind of be like top 10 in the world and have a chance of being selected. Um, but that was kind of the back burner. Yeah, the main thing was just literally having fun. I was just doing something and, you know, I'm sport mad. There was always going to be some form of sport in my life. It just happened that athletics was the one that kind of stuck. Um, and yeah, it just happened to be that I had really good coaches behind me that managed to refine my technique very quickly where you know which um yeah which is like put down probably the change in speed too i didn't start off very quick it definitely because you have some you have like two types of sprinters one that kind of comes in really quick um you know 
and they maybe only get like half a half a second to a second quicker. Um, and then some people that are able to like change a lot with the technique and so yeah, well, I mean I took taken like three seconds, I was yeah, nearly three seconds off my time from like my first ever race. So yeah, we've we've done quite well. But so how important is it in the early days when you start to have a, a coach who kind of understands that it's important to keep things fun yeah. and it's not all about I guess winning at all times. A hundred percent. Um, you know, I think that sport is about fun. You know, it's it's weird. It's, it's like it, it gets serious sometimes really quickly. Um, it kind of spirals out of control. Um, I guess it kind of depends on who's who's guiding it. But um, yeah, sports about having fun. You know, we all do it. It's it's there's a social element to it too. But the biggest thing is just because you love doing it. You know, and that's at least how it is for me. You know, I love I love being active and, and going to training was something I really looked forward to, pushing my body and yeah, there was just something about it that I really enjoyed and obviously the, the dreams and the kind of things that you look for were the Paralympics, but that's never why I started. You know, I started because I just love sport and I want to do something and I think no matter what happened to me, I'd always find a way to sport somewhere. Yeah, no matter how severely disabled I was, I'd be doing something. And what would your message be to someone who is thinking of starting sport but is maybe a little bit daunted at the prospect of, t of taking that first step? I think for me there's that kind of, that's life. We all do that and everything. You know, it's not just sport that, that that applies to, you know. Taxes would be one of them. You know, people put off doing their taxes because <laughs> they're scared. It's just, It's just one of those things. We sit there and we kind of, obsess and let our minds spiral about all of these negative thoughts and the what-ifs and you worry about a thousand possibilities when actually there's only one so I always find and I think my coach told me this once he goes you actually spend your time worrying way more um, about the possibilities of the problems when in actual fact if any problem arises probably will actually be less than all of those combined. Does that, oh, that's, that's really hard to explain. Basically, when you're thinking about a thousand things, you're kind of worrying about all these different things. There's only one of those options that's actually going to happen anyway. So you've just spent your time worrying about 999 things that are not going to ever happen. The best thing to do is just to be brave, you know, because it is bravery. It's, it's putting yourself out there and, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, it's always going to be a little bit scary to do that. Um, but my advice really would be, just do it, you know, nobody, nobody lays on their deathbed thinking, oh, I really wish I hadn't gone and tried out wheelchair basketball that day, you know, <laughs> they'll sit there and they'll go, I'm so glad I tried that, and you know, they've got their team around them, with them, and then I'm so glad I made these friends over the last 50 years, you know, these are things that happen, you know, you've got to look at the positives, you know, you could go try a sport out, find the your best friend, find your husband, your wife, you know, you could find people that you never thought that you'd ever meet at these places. And that's before you've even started talking about the sport. You know, I think that, that it can give you so much. And what's the worst case scenario? You have a bit of a bad day, maybe you didn't enjoy it and you have a bad day. That's it. You know, <laughs> I think, I think yeah, it's worth no, it. I think it's, I think it's a really good point. And, yeah. and like you say, yeah, you think about all these possibilities, but only one happens and yeah. and then you go from there. Um, so 
if something like parasport had existed when you were when you were a teenager, how much easier do you think things would have been? I mean, obviously it's worked uh, it's worked out pretty well yeah. for you, but would it have been just a smoother process? A hundred percent. You know, I um I remember trying to to search for disabled sports and stuff, and it's just a minefield and it's a nightmare, and there's just it's just there's no there was no one place for it all. There was just a club here, but it was like set up. This website was set up 10 years ago, and the, the club doesn't even exist anymore. You know, there was so much. I literally managed to find two clubs. I found a, a one with people with learning difficulties and one for amputees, and that was it. Yeah, I didn't, I couldn't find anything else. So if I'd had this website, yeah, you know, suddenly go around and actually turns out that there's a hundred different sports that you can try in Cambridgeshire, you know, and actually there's about 10 of them that I'd really like, you know. Yeah, I don't know what I, what could have happened, and but I just do know that it would have been a heck of a lot easier, um, a lot less confusing. Yeah, because if you can just find somebody's number, if you type on a website, actually, I want to try that. Suddenly, that next to it is the coach's number, and then two days later, you're being involved. You know, it's that simple. Whereas for me, it was searching online for about six hours um, since I come home from school until I had to go to bed. And I came out with two responses. <laughs> it's not very good. So you said you had a board with um, times off and you were looking ahead to Tokyo 2020. That's eight years after what turned out to be your first Paralympic Games at, at London 2012. So what was it that got you to the start line sooner than you thought? It seems like quite a short journey from starting to get serious about sport and then obviously making it onto the team for, for London. I mean, I, I, I just put down to kind of luck and right place right time really you know i got set up with a with a really good local coach um who just took it easy with me improved me uh kind of weekly monthly and i kept racing and my just time getting kept getting quicker you know i kept pbing pretty much every race i went to i did a pb um for like two three years straight really um you know and then i was Super lucky at the end of 2011, I'd run 11.47 uh, that year, um, which was okay. That was kind of maybe, at the time, probably about sixth in the world, seventh in the world. Um, and British Athletics realized that I could potentially medal, because if I basically run sub 11.2 at the time, that would be potential for a medal. So they thought, you know what, you can do this. Um, we want to give you the best possible opportunities so they set me up with a coach Dan Pass who was in Lee Valley at the time in London uh, coaching Greg Rutherford uh, Goldie Sayers Steve Lewis you know top top Olympic uh, athletes so of course the second that they gave me that opportunity I jumped straight at it 100% you know I was please sign me up and yeah the guy is a guru and he knows his sport inside out he's uh, anyone who who's met him has said that he's like a book and yeah luckily he taught me everything and yeah we run quite fast <laughs> in our first year and managed to win a Paralympic gold medal which was unbelievable um yeah I never really thought that <laughs> that was gonna happen what was that moment like in in the final on the start line what's what's going through your head and and it must have just been so surreal it's weird in those situations because it's just a job at that time. You know, at that situ it's I was actually I was really relaxed. I wasn't nervous. Um, I'd gotten nervous 
for a few races previously, like the smaller meets. But I, I wasn't nervous when I stood on that start line, and I think that was just because I felt prepared. You know, I knew that I had the best coach in the field. I knew that I had the best support system around me in the field. British athletics is incredible for, uh, you know, disability athletics. Um, and, yeah, I just, I don't know, I felt like it was my time. I felt like I was in a good shape. I knew that, I knew that if I did everything I could do right, then it was going to be hard for anyone to come close. So, yeah, I just tried. I tried to try to execute all the things, and I think in that situation, you're just kind of thinking. You're thinking about what you have to do. You're not thinking about the kind of possibilities of what if I win, what if I don't win, what if I do this. You're just thinking, right, do this, do that, do that. Make sure that you hit it. And yeah, I don't know. I remember I got to six meters though, and needed a change of underwear. <laughs> it, it, I, it must have been really difficult to prepare because no one really knew what the Paralympics would look like in London what the reaction would be if the tickets would tell this is you know years mm. before and then suddenly we get there and it's this explosion of parasport and yeah. the atmospheres are incredible and as a home athlete as well you've got that that just that roar from the crowd did you did you soak it up or did you try and block it out or like how did you how did you deal with yeah, it you can't block that out yeah it was incredible uh, soak it up for sure i think every single athlete that i spoke to at the Paralympics was blown away by it and it was support and it was a feeling of it was like a feeling of support warmth just there was no bad feelings from it it wasn't like you know I don't know if you go to a football match and you kind of see just oh, you kind of like expectance and you know that they're going to get annoyed if you don't you know you concede but it wasn't like that it was like oh even if they come last you know just well, at least you were there. <laughs> it was like they just they cheer for you because you were wearing a, a British vest, you know, and they cheer for you. And it was just it was just a, a really really nice feeling, and there was no pressure with it, and it was beyond any of our expectations. You know, no Paralympics had come close to what London 2012 managed to achieve, and the noise. I remember going to the Olympics um, a couple of weeks before in the stadium, and I remember the noise like I remember just thinking if this is just like one tenth as loud as this if there's just like one tenth as many people in the stadium then it's going to be a really good game and we sold out and the noise was louder you know I, I saw a stat somewhere the decibel reading was literally louder at the Paralympics than for the Olympics and it's just you could never ever believe that was going to happen and yeah it's an incredible memory that's going to last with every single one of us that went to that game how often do you actually how often does it kind of pop into your head and you think about it? Because I know it o probably always gets brought up in interviews and, and we uh, ask you about it all the time. But, you know, on a day-to-day, -day, if, you're, if you're in Sainsbury's, do you just stop <laughs> and think, <laughs> I just suddenly think oh, that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Not really. Not anymore. I think there's too many things to think about in the present. I'm quite, like, I don't know. I try to just kind of stay in the moment. You know, I never try to think too much about the future, too much about the past. Just be in the moment you know, and just think about there. And I think with most athletes, it's always about the next one, you know, even now. And I, s you know, after I said after 2017, I've kind of, I've done what I wanted to do now. You know, I could not win another medal and be happy and walk away from the sport happy, but that's not really true. <laughs> you know, I'm here now. I still want more, you know, that's what all athletes do. It's kind of thinking about the next one. And every now and again, yeah, you kind of, memory gets jogged and you kind of do start to, to think about it and yeah I'm just really grateful it was such an amazing time for me and it's yeah 
it was a, it was a really good good night for me uh, i think um, understatement yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a really good night and i enjoyed it and yeah it, it's going to take a lot to beat it i think and so we're in um 2019 now and tokyo 2020 is a bit more than a, a year away. Um, Crazy. You've had a bit of downtime. You've not necessarily been competing as much as, as you have been in the past. Is that has that been beneficial for you? Do you feel fired up and, and ready to attack Tokyo now? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, I think that it was weird. I didn't take a break. You know, I wanted a more the mental break. It wasn't the physical aspect. I wasn't tired or anything like that. I just, I just felt like I wanted to kind of think about other things, let other things take a priority for a year. You know, I was fed up with every decision in my life revolving around my next race, my next training session. So I just wanted a break and it wasn't that it wasn't that I didn't like training. I still loved going to training every day. But for sure it's back more. You know, I'm really looking forward now. You know, we've done the, the hard winter stuff. I've kind of got one more race indoors just to kind of just get the cobwebs off really that's all i'm doing at the moment i'm just trying to get used to racing again and, and just enjoying it yeah and it, it is it is really nice and, and chilled now and i guess the motivation is there but it never really went i don't think you know but for sure it's kind of made me sit here and realize right okay what's the next target worlds in 2019 you know 2020 world records you know those these things now that we want to hit and yeah Three out of three would be really, really nice there, but let's see, let's see. We're in a good position right now. And just finally, for for people who have, who have listened to this and and want to try something, what can they do? How can how can they find Parasport? And yeah, it's super easy. So for everyone who perhaps thinks maybe I want to try, it, and actually, you know, do you know what? For everyone at home anyway, just have a look. Just just type in Parasport and just see what's about. You know, even if it's not for you, maybe you could actually find something that could help a friend or a colleague. Just have a look. Just just check it out because there'll be something on there. There'll be something on there for everyone. Uh, so have a look. What's what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to, you know, waste two minutes of us. Perfect. Johnny Peacock, thank you so much, mate. Thank you. So that was Johnny Peacock talking about Parasport powered by Toyota. Susie, what are your kind of initial takeaways from that? Oh, well, I mean, ooh, a lot, lots of info in there. But, um, yeah, I think what struck me was, firstly, how he found uh, getting into sport was a great way of finding people with similar impairments to him. So I would say probably the same when I got into sport and disability sport specifically and I went to nationals, uh, national competitions, I, I always found it really kind of nice to be able to kind of share stories with people who kind of have a similar background to you and similar uh, challenges that they might have to kind of overcome so um yeah I totally that resonated very much and also um also when he talked about London 2017 and and also London 2012 um you know uh, that that sensation of walking out in front of a home crowd and I, I had the same kind of hairs on the back of the of my neck going on end when I walked out into the pool and everyone was screaming and all your friends and family are there so yeah that kind of touched me definitely I think the thing that struck me is that he was he talked a lot about how important it is just to have fun in the early stages. Mm. Obviously, his career has snowballed and, and yours likewise. You ended up at, at two Paralympic Games. Mm. But those initial kind of steps, had you never been to a Paralympics, how important do you think swimming would have been uh, in your life? Yeah, it always was because it was the exercise I felt confident doing given my impairment and given my disability. Um, 
and it, I found it actually really helpful, you know, for physically and mentally. Um, and I still do. Like, you know, even after I've retired, I pretty much swim every week. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it, it's important to kind of see it as, as fun. And he does emphasise that when he talks. Uh, because if, it, you, if you're focused solely on, I must get to this point, I must... I mean, yeah, have goals by all means. But, um, you know, we all know that life uh, can take you down different routes and you might not be expecting it. So um, having a fixed plan and not deviating off that plan is probably not the best idea. But then just going into something and enjoying it. And that's certainly what I did when I started out. You know, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to go to London 2012 and... You know, it was very early. It was about sort of uh, 10 years off or whatever. So I wasn't particularly thinking I must aim for that. Do you remember the first session that you went along to? Yes, I do. Yeah. What was that like? Was it it scary? Yeah, kind of scary. But, you know, he's right. You just got to be a bit brave and put yourself out of your comfort zone, which isn't a bad skill to learn in life. Um, And just go and try something that maybe could lead to something and like he says you can meet some great friends you can meet your partner you could you know anything could happen and that's the same with anything in life you know if you don't try stuff he says quite <laughs> spot on when he says you know at the end of your life you're going to look back and think oh you know I, oh I, I regret going along to that training session no you won't you know and even if you don't like it you can you can try something else I think that's an experience that we've probably all been through is finding something a bit daunting and just finding the guts to, to take that to take the plunge pardon yeah. the pun um <laughs> what would you say to someone who who's maybe a little bit apprehensive to kind of get them into sport i think johnny summarizes it really well because he, he just says you know just have that fearlessness and don't worry about the million things that could go wrong um what's the worst that can happen and certainly as athletes we're taught that you know to not overthink things and not get on the blocks and start worrying about what's going to go wrong and just just get in and go through the motions and be in the moment that that was actually probably <laughs> the, the most helpful thing for me when I was in Rio and racing uh, was was to be more in the moment whereas in London probably the difference for me was that I was really nervous it sounds like Johnny was not <laughs> nervous at all uh, he just walked out and knew he was going to do it but you know s- not everyone has that and and I think but that kind of learning that kind of skill of not overthinking is probably really valuable. Amazing. Susie Rogers, thank you so much. A big thanks to Johnny Peacock and tune in next time for the Paralympics GB podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Paralympics GB podcast. Remember to subscribe. And if you like the pod, please leave us a review. It really helps spread the word and lets others find us more easily.